They can't really know that I speak Chinese. They're only supposed to speak English with me. But sometimes, so in the morning we have actual class, and then in the afternoon they have a free plate time where I just like go around from class to class and station to station and like hang out and play with the kids. And the kids don't speak that much English. We're not learning that much English. So they, when they want to talk to me, they talk to me in Chinese, which I understand. So I kind of usually respond to what they've said just in English. So we end up having these conversations in two languages. And it's weird because I understand the full content of the conversation and they understand their half of it. But then like sometimes they'll pick up Especially if we get near an area of vocabulary that they know, I'll try to, like, emphasize that. And so, like, colors, everybody knows the colors. So if I say, like, blah, 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 blue, they'll be like, oh, blue, lancel, do it. And, like, it's, it's interesting. It's weird. And it reminds me of a ghost dog. Ghost dog? Yeah. Jim Darmish. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, he has this movie, Ghost Dog, where there's a Haitian-French guy. Ice cream man. Ice cream man. He's talking to Forrest Whitaker. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's happening, conversation is happening in French and English. And in this one, neither one of them understands the other's language. And it's a movie, so I think, like, there's poetic resonance in the misunderstandings that they're sharing with each other. Mm -hmm. Um... But, I don't know, it's interesting. Because the kids, the kids are so open with me. They do want to share. And I think that's where the resonance is, is like these two characters who don't have a connection are looking for a connection. Um, and I do have a connection with these kids. They know me. Um, but that they, they want to share with me so much. And that they, they don't get frustrated. Even when they pick up on like, I don't understand what you're saying. They just keep going on with it. That's the part that I think impresses me, is they keep... Like, sometimes they'll mention, like, I don't understand what you're saying. And then I'll say, like, I know you don't. And, <laughs> like, we just keep chattering on. I noticed that even, too, a little bit with the uh, adults. Yeah. That, like, you wander down a way of, like, where there is a communication breakdown, and you are talking about one thing, and they're talking about another, and it's just, like... Yeah, whatever. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and why Why would anyone get upset? It's it's low stakes yeah. chit-chat. Although, um, in in America, I found myself, like, going around in circles with friends, like, no, but I'm saying this, no, but I'm saying this, no, but I'm saying this. Like, yeah, but if, if it's your friend, like, maybe you're having a conversation oh, that has, like, a little more heft to it, like... Like, if you're breaking up with someone. <laughs> like, it is important. That 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 point, the misunderstanding, is important. But if you're We've just, never like... never bro- broken up with a Chinese neighbor. Yeah, yeah. We've just left. <laughs> Our neighbors are, are generally pretty good. Um, but, yeah, so just... just um, it's fun to have these little conversations. Because it is, like... It's playtime. I don't... It's not in my nature to be scoldy anyway. Although I'm pretty scolding in the morning. But, <laughs> that, I mean, because that's how specific objectives we're supposed to accomplish. And if we're not accomplishing them, get back on track. But it's playtime. We're hanging out. I don't want, I want that to be fun. Um, and so the, the, the fun part of hanging out with me is that we're just hanging out. Low stakes. I'll comment. Um, I'll look at what you're drawing. Um, it does... 
it's interesting not having kids, but now working with kids for a while. Like, they just want your attention sometimes. And the uh, your attention and an approving noise. And, it, like, <laughs> though it is, like, I've seen, you know, in real life and, and, and movies and TV, like, hey, hey, dad, 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 look at me, dad, dad, look at me, look at me, dad. And, like, they will do that to me. I mean, they don't call me dad, though. Teacher Emily! Teacher Emily! Look! 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 Watch this! Watch! Watch me! Watch me! Watch me! Watch me! Look! Um, they just want your attention. Um, and I can give it to them. Get so. <laughs> kids. You know, if we're going to philosophize, maybe that's all anybody wants. They just want a little attention and validation. <laughs> it doesn't even have to be in the same language. Um, but yeah, so let's go on to business. We are currently at 199 subscribers. Ooh, come on, Number 200 person. could be you. It's very exciting. Um, this is the most subscribers we've ever had, so that's that's exciting. Personal limits. Yeah. <laughs> um, but like we said last week, we're kind of relaxing a bit about our numbers and just having a good time. Um, and this, we'll talk more about specific videos later, but our, our kind of current strategy, especially while I'm starting summer camp, part of what's a drag about summer camp is that right now I work 15 hours a week, but this will be closer to 40 hours a week. Um, so it's really going to take away from my time to make the videos. Um, but, so that's part of our, our, our strategy for the summer and also because we wanted to try out a new thing with the, with these characters, is to make these short little one-hit... One-hit wonders? One-hit wonders <laughs> that are just like a minute or two. Like, even even the draft had kind of grown into like five to seven to ten minutes sometimes. Um, so shrink it all back down, write one scene, film it, put it out. Well, well a lot of, like, I think... Because we tend to have like so many ideas and so many stories that we would find we have one batch of stories that grows from like three to eight to fifteen minutes. Yeah, yeah. And while that's really satisfying to put together a piece like that, we just don't have the draw enough. We can't show up enough in any kind of algorithm or have any kind of fan base for anyone to find that so when they do they watch like the first minute yeah and think that that's what the whole videos are like but like like no we've got 10 20 sketches in this entire thing yeah it's yeah it's gonna change and no one can really see that so by taking all these ideas and breaking them all down into like little one minute bits that they are yeah it's probably yeah. better for getting recognized and it's also easier to put together and film yeah and yeah so from from our side it's easier to put together just one minute and then from the audience facing side the goal is to see, can we get 100% watch time or closer to that with a one or two minute piece? Can we get someone to watch all of two minutes yeah. versus a quarter of five minutes? Well, because a lot of what was happening was you, if we have like, let's say like 10 skits in like an eight mm -hmm. minute piece, people would watch the first skit and that would kind of come to a close. And that's, that's what, I mean, I can yeah. look at the numbers and I'd go back to the video and I'd see like. They watched to the end of the skit, but that wasn't even actually what they clicked on it for, because, like, the actual 
subject matter we were going to talk about wasn't until like minute eight or something like yeah, that. So yeah. they they probably watched the first thing. If we said like this one is about you know candy, and mm-hmm. this video is about candy, and they put down the first one and it was a skit about salt. They saw salt. Went. Oh, I just watched a skit about salt. I'm turning yeah. it off. Yeah. So An idea. Salt. Idea finished. And then so they finish watching. <laughs> yeah, so we'll just make one idea. Yeah, yeah. And that's, I mean, it's not, it's, we'll it's hard it to say because it's, the, it's, YouTube wants you to make longer videos mm. so that you have more time for them to say, like, we have so and so many hours of blah, blah, blah. Which is ridiculous garbage. Yeah, it, yeah, it yeah. Takes, But like, it so they, like, their, their objective is more eyeballs all the time. Yeah. And so... Statistically, if you have a long video, that might contribute to the overall eyeball count. But even they know that. But, um, so they advise longer videos rather than shorter videos. But we suspect, or you maybe know, that it does make a difference how percentage-wise are people finishing your video or are only people watching a little bit of it. So it's possible in the mishmash of this unknowable algorithm um a shorter video that people watch all of does better for you than a longer video that people watch most mostly none of because the algorithm is not if somebody watches like 10 percent of your video even though they clicked on it that doesn't really count yeah the, the fact that they only watched the beginning of it means it performed poorly so it will vary it yeah. But if you watch all of one minute, yeah, then it's like, oh, well, that was a successful video. Yeah. Which makes sense because the thing is, it's like, because and YouTube knows this too, that like the the putting out a longer video was a great idea for the algorithm for YouTube when there wasn't as much stuff on YouTube to watch because people would just watch anything, I guess. But now it's well known that like people have options so that there's they're asking you for quantity and quality so go ahead and make if you're going to make four videos a week make three half hour videos that are all amazing yeah yeah which is like you can't ask a hollywood studio to do that yeah yeah yeah. um but with i mean this is not why we do the podcast but it does help that the podcast is over an hour every week more than an hour every week um and it does seem like People who are watching the podcast, hello, um, watch more than a minute or two. So our numbers for that, we are adding to the eyeball count that way, which is probably overall good for our channel. Yeah, I don't know. It's, it's, tough, it's tough to say, and we're not killing ourselves about it. Yeah. So it is like, we have, we've reassured ourselves, well, we've got the China spoilers every week. That's giving in a nice big chunk of watch time. And then, so let's concentrate on making these little teeny pieces the best that they can be. Right, because if you have, if 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 ten people watch these China spoilers, that's ten hours. So yeah. YouTube is like, oh, we're happy. Yeah. And then if we put out like ten other videos that are all a minute long, but people watch all of them, yeah. then I don't know, give or take, kind of balances out. Yeah, maybe. maybe. We don't really know. Nobody really knows. <laughs> Um, well, and this is what we're here to find out. I mean, part of the whole project of us even being on YouTube, other than like building a portfolio and, and practicing our craft and all mm-hmm. that, um, has now become like with China spoilers. Just, like we're making a YouTube channel in in China. 
like, what did that even mean? I, how does this work? I don't know. It's yeah. kind of interesting <laughs> in that weird, like, gamey way. Yeah, and, and when it comes down to it, like, again, no one's paying us for, for this. This is all a volunteer thing, and so... we're not asking for money, unless you want to get <laughs> <laughs> Um, so why not just do whatever we want? It doesn't make sense to, like, try to jump through these hoops, mm. especially when we're not seeing that much reward in the form of, like... I mean, YouTube doesn't give us any support. They don't. No. They don't provide us with with editing suites or anything. Um, and you know, videos, it's a it's a free it's a free platform. Um, I mean, it's it's weird. I have conflicted feelings about what YouTube is. I, as I think almost all YouTube people, any any creators on YouTube at this point are just like, I hate it, but I love it. I do it all day, but I despise it. It's free video hosting, but they. They benefit from having our free content, right? And then, um, and therefore, they tend to like make it into like it's a lifestyle. You're right, right. So it's it's no life. no one here is is acting completely out of benevolence. There is self interest yeah. on all sides, and it's just to make sure our self interest is balanced more. Because I don't care about YouTube. Mm -hmm. um, YouTube is not a person. I am. We don't a person. care about corporations, man. Yeah, corporations are not people. <laughs> um, we're getting political. Um, Sorry, Burger King. Let's go into burgers taste terrible. Homeschool film school. Terrible burgers. So we live in China and we moved here expressly, um, not to make YouTube videos, but with the idea of like making some kind of art. And it's as we explained to someone, one of our friends before we left, um, and he's like, but it's not like you're moving to Paris or Berlin. There's no, like, art See? society there that's going to, like, you're not, you're not joining, you're not joining a movement. Um, Particularly where and he's we are. Right. I mean, there, there is in Beijing, there's a lot of cool things going on, music and art and gallery-wise yeah, yeah. and video-wise and Shanghai. But, like, we are so far away from that, we might as well stay on the moon. Yeah, and even in Beijing and Shanghai... And maybe this contributes to the to the to the passion and the and the feelings being expressed through the art is that free expression is not allowed here. And so, if you are if you are a working artist or working musician, um, you're living under constant threat of being shut down or having your work be banned. Which, if you know, if that works in your sometimes that can work in your favor, and that banned works are even more popular. And get a higher profile outside of China, but maybe that's not, you're not looking for notoriety, you just want to make the work you want to make. Mm -hmm. um, and, I mean, there's even, we wouldn't get arrested, we'd get deported before we got arrested, I think, if we if we said stuff that the government didn't like. But if you are a, a Chinese person, you could get arrested for the stuff that you say. Um, so it is, like... Why would you move there and to do art? <laughs> in particular, with something like art, is at least with if it, it becomes pretty uh, a gray area when it when it is art because with uh, if if we were just bloggers and we spoke about things that I mean everyone is uh, ourselves included is careful about what we talk about like we don't talk about politics we don't talk about religion and the things that we're told to like just steer clear of. Mm -hmm. Um, in person the, or in and, public? And, or both? And, yeah, both. Um, that 
if it's just discussion, it's it's a little, little easier to like not really think of like, um, you know, I mean, I'm I'm not writing a dissertation on on politics or anything like that every day, mm -hmm. so I can just mm -hmm. basically say like, well, I don't really want to talk about that, and that's done. But when it's art, it's always tough because sometimes an artist like yourself doesn't even know that you're actually creating something that might be incendiary to certain groups that like. Yeah. So censoring yourself is actually harder as an artist because you might not even know that you're pressing a button until like you know sometimes decades after you've created a piece of art, you're like, oh crap, that's what I meant to. Oh. But somebody else might be able to see that as opposed to like you're just like a coffee house and you talk to somebody. And they're like, wait, what did you say? Or well, you make a vlog. And that if, if you are operating under all those concerns, are you self-censoring without even realizing it? Because that's, mm -hmm. I mean, that's the real talk. The insidiousness of censorship is not that anyone's knocking on your door saying, hey, cut that out. But that they are, the government issues kind of vague standards that are then up to you as the, the entity or the platform you're publishing on, or whatever, to enforce, and and the, the nebulousness is what kind of creates a culture of fear, where people do get afraid to say something, mm -hmm. um, and so you could maybe internalize that and 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 be holding yourself back or pulling your punches. Um, maybe that's happening to us. I don't know. I mean, we, we talk about fairly silly things, so well, yeah, I think uh, that's helpful. We're not so, not close to any hot button issues. Well, and 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 I say that as artists of like that. I mean, I I, I watch all the, the vlogs and, and read all the blogs and people's papers and and some interviews that people do, mm -hmm. and everyone says tons of things that are far more flammable than, than yeah. what we talk well, about. Well, and so for, foreigners do. Yeah, yeah, the foreigners are, are yeah, for because foreigners are are held to a different standard than. Right, 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 right. That's what we're just talking about foreigners. That like, yeah. that that they say things. And I'm just like, whoa! I can't believe they said that. Like, yeah. like what? I, I would never. But I also kind of bored by it. And <laughs> I actually worried about talking about those things. But like, lots of people do wander into areas that they do stop themselves at some point. Mm -hmm. That they're realizing, like, well, I don't really want to talk about this any further. And I'm like thinking, like, I can't believe you went that far. Yeah. <laughs> But, so, I mean, that's why you would not move to China to do art, but, so why did we move to China to do art? Um, a lot of it is financial. Um, the fact is, we can, we can work relatively little. I, well, I, as an artist in, back home in America... Yeah. You really don't have many choices. Like, you either have to hit the jackpot and become, like, you know, America's next type, top idol or something. Yeah. Or you sit around in a van with people as you grow old and tour around mm -hmm. and make no money. Yeah. Or you use whatever your talent is to work for some kind of corporate entity. But, uh, like I did, working for IT companies. Or, yeah, uh, yeah. Know, like we did with the media or something like that, which is... You know, I'm using my art skill. I've I've made a career my entire life, essentially, of like being an illustrator. Mm -hmm. That's pretty cool. But I never had any passion for what I was doing. So, in in that world, and I, from what I hear from other artists that are there now, it's it's even harder than it was in the '90s and 2000s. I mean, it's hard because if if you are going, if you are serious about art, fine art, or whatever. Um, you're going to have to live in New York City, probably, or near New York City, or maybe L.A. 
um, there's not that like you need to be in those hubs and mm-hmm. you know if you if you're an artist and you don't live in those hubs and you're having a successful time of it and you could not even imagine moving to one of the big cities I'd love to love to hear about that but it is like you'd have to live in one of these metro areas that are now the most expensive places to live in the country and yeah we to afford living there we worked jobs that like didn't leave us time to do the art and it's it's hard the, the so like the 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 common advice is like if you like something artsy do a job that's art adjacent like so mm. for peter it was graphic design and for me it was writing and journalism um and i don't like that advice it turns out <laughs> cuz it, the energy is similar enough that it is like if you work an eight-hour day writing, you don't want to come home and write more. But like when I worked before, I got the job at the paper. If I was work, I worked in a bookstore for a little bit. If I worked an eight-hour day just clerking at a bookstore, I could come home and I'd have plenty of stuff to write. Um, but you can't work at a bookstore and afford an apartment on the Upper East Side. Um, not not Six very nights. long. Yeah. <laughs> And so it is, and and maybe that's just me, but I kind of feel like, no, like if you're using that writing energy all day, you don't have any left for your own project. So I think that's actually not good advice. Get a job doing something different and then write, save all your writing for you. Right. And and that's always the, uh, like using the New York example of like for the 60s and 50s, 60s, 70s, and everyone getting pushed out from pushing the poor people out of the Bowery down into the village, yeah. out into Brooklyn, yeah. and to the point where like, we can't even afford to live in Brooklyn on on working artist salaries for yeah. uh, major like companies. Like, the, it's just not even a feasible thing. But you have to be in the city so that you can network with those people and find the jobs. If you, like, if you work all day long at your job, doing whatever it is artistic adjacent, mm-hmm. Then that's you're in the city for that job, but you're also there for findings, you know, your whatever your gallery show or your reading or something that you're doing or your comedy troupe or whatever yeah. that you're doing, yeah. your, your rock show that you're going to play with your band at the end of the night. But you're too tired to do that by the end of the day because you spent the whole day at your day job, and yeah. and meanwhile you still can't afford to live there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, because the art adjacent jobs also still don't pay very well. Yeah. Um, but so yeah, that was our that was our frustrations of living in New York, um, and so coming over here, it was the original deal we took was like working the teaching public school teaching jobs here for foreigners are generally about twenty hours a week. If you work for a training school, it can be more, it can be as much as you want. You could work like eighty hours a week. They would love you to work 80 hours yeah, a week. A, I don't know why you would move here to move, work 80 hours a week. There's a, there's a conception that, I mean, a lot of people that do go overseas for special, like, ESL kind of things, but, like, that you are, you have the possibility that you can, whatever, make up your, your school loans or something like that. Like, yeah, A yeah. lot of people fall short, and they come over, and they go and have fun, and they spend all their money. But you could come to even a place like China and squirrel away everything you have. Yeah. You live so cheaply that, like, you could get off your debts, probably get together enough money to, I don't know, do something with it, like, but it's a lot of work. Otherwise, like us, it gives us a chance to, like, not work as much. Yeah, so that's the thing, is, is 
but yeah, we can work essentially with a part-time job and have decent salaries and have a good lifestyle and have the time that we need to do art. <laughs> but I think also why teaching for us particularly worked out is because we're we're pretty shy people, and so it's not like we would go out and make friends on our own. And teaching actually like helped us feel really plugged into a community without without like having to go out and especially I don't know first, talk to strangers. I don't know how do people make friends. So it is like especially in the first few years when we lived on campus, yeah, so all of our yeah. friends were kids. And the teachers a little bit. Yeah. Mostly we talked to the kids. Yes. But it but it also, like, it felt like we were in a position of trust because we were, like, when we would go out and people at restaurants would ask us what we did and we'd say we taught at Tanfield Middle School, they would be, like, they would like that answer. They yeah. would, like, be happy that we were there and happy that we were part of teaching. They probably... If there, it was really competitive school to get into. So if their kids didn't go there, maybe they knew kids who did go there, and, and like it was. So we. Or they would round up their kids at dinner from around the hall and like come. Right, right, right. So it was like we had an excuse to jump right into the community. That um, I think if we were, well, definitely if we were just traveling through, mm. it would not have been that kind of connection with people. And I think, so that gave us, like, immediately this, this access to this world that kind of changed our perspectives on, on life. <laughs> well, like, when you're talking, like, as opposed to just traveling through, like, we're just here for six months, or I don't even know what it would, would it be like to come here, like, on vacation for six weeks and yeah, just travel yeah. town to town. But that we are, because you, you, I, I see it now, like, when we get in cab or we meet somebody new that you're they ask of course like how long have you been here and when you're like we're going on eight eight years they're just like oh well then you're fine <laughs> yeah yeah it's not like we're just like interloping strangers who showed up like yeah what and you know maybe this isn't everybody's experience but this is our experience um and i think that that was important for us in that like so we came here the plan was we work these shorter hours have a good life and then I was gonna write a novel, and Peter was gonna paint. Yeah, they, they were they were vague plans to do art um, and travel and travel. And I think we did the travel. We did the travel, and that we was that was a lot of fun. Um, yeah, we started a, a blog, a word word blog. Word blog. <laughs> <laughs> At helluncleforner It's still up. You can go read about our first couple years or all of our years. Um, but in that meantime, I think that's where stuff started. Like, I didn't write that novel. I have I have a draft of a novel that maybe one day I'll come back to. But we didn't. 